to another episode of American Football the British Way. I'm your host, British like the people, and I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving if you celebrate. That is the last time we spoke in preparation for those Thanksgiving games, the first Black Friday game, games on Sunday, game on Monday. It's been a little bit. Uh, Personally, I work a job that is very commission-based, so whenever we hit the end of the month, it is all hands on deck for me, (laughs) okay? I am spending a lot of time at work, and that is why I took a little bit of a break from talking to you about football, and I apologize, but I'm back, and I'm ready to talk to you about week 14 of the NFL, I can't even believe it's week 14, actually. Like, that means that there are only five more weeks of play for the NFL of the regular season. This is your last week that any team is on a bye. Uh, This week, it's only two teams, the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. And then week 15 through 18, every team has a game, so... We're back to like the beginning of the season where there's just games on games on games. Uh, Games are finally starting to get flexed. That's something that we talked about, moved around because some teams are better than other teams and some games are just going to make for more exciting watches. So it's going to be a good time, okay? Close your eyes, make a wish, blow out the candlelight, let's watch some football. Let's talk a little bit about it. Going into week 14, one of the biggest things that everybody's talking about is the playoffs. They're coming up what feels like to be extremely quickly. We're already in December. And one thing we haven't talked about yet is how the playoffs work at all. So let's get into it a little bit. How many teams even make it to the playoffs? Okay, there's 14 teams total that make it to the playoffs. Seven teams from the NFC seven teams from the AFC. But how do they decide who plays who? How do they do the seeding, etc.? I'm going to break things down for you as easily as possible. So the format is every divisional winner makes the playoffs and then three more wildcard teams. So since there are four divisions that are AFC, four divisions that are NFC, those top teams will all make the playoffs and then three more from each side. And those three more from each side is how it starts to get a little bit tricky in deciding um, who's going to play and who's going to make it in and out. It's not as bad as the college football playoffs, which if you are a college football fan, you are still reeling from the decisions that the committee made. We don't talk college football on this podcast, but I'll just say this. This is the last year that the committee is only going to have four teams that make it to the playoffs. And thank goodness, because when you leave, who makes it up for subjective reasoning and people voting and just trying to decide amongst themselves instead of definitive ways like the way that the NFL does it, you're going to make somebody mad. Somebody's always going to be angry. There's a team that was undefeated, didn't make the 
top four. There was a team that was number one all year and then only lost one game by a very small margin, didn't make the top four. A lot of it doesn't make sense. Um, and because there's so much to the to college football, we're not really going to dive into it. But I just have to say that at least with the NFL, there's an easy way to break down who's going to get in and who's not going to get in. So let's take a look at our current standings. First, we'll go with the AFC. Right now, if the playoffs started today, the season was over, here are the teams from the AFC that make the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, Jacksonville Jaguars. Then, and this is the part that's ridiculous and wild and crazy, but that's why they're wild cards. You have your Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Cleveland Browns. All of those seven teams would be in the AFC side of the playoffs. Then when you go to the NFC, you have your Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Wild, but I mean, you will hear me talk about how the division has a lot to do with things. Your Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, and unfortunately, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> So how did we get those bottom three teams? Because that's a big part of this. And when you are watching games now more than ever, you're going to see them put up graphics on TV that say, here's the teams that are in. Here are the teams that are right on the bubble. Here are the teams that are still in the hunt. Meaning if certain teams win and other teams lose, here's how things could shake up. First things first, you just have to win enough games. You need to win more games than everybody else. That's how you make the playoffs. Secondly, you need to win not just more games, but you need to win divisional games. Because as I mentioned previously, those top four are all the division leaders from each area. That's how they made it there. And then then it starts to get a little bit trickier. They're going to look at the strength of your schedule. They're going to look at the strength of the victory. They're going to see how many divisional wins you have, who you beat in your division. Um, you're you're going to play those teams twice. So did you beat them both times? Did you only win one time? Did you have strong wins on the road, meaning when you were not playing in your home stadium? These are kind of all the ways that they decide who makes those wild cards, and then how they're going to seed them, meaning how they're going to decide which team plays against which team. So in order to get the number one seed, you just have to have the best record in the NFC or AFC. And then two is going to be the second best record for a division winner. Three, the third best record for a division winner. Fourth best record division winner, best record for wild card team, second best, and third best. That's how your seeding works out. It is possible to receive a bye, meaning you don't have to play that first round. Oh, and let me back up. There are four rounds of the playoffs, technically. You have your wild card round, then you have the divisional round, then you have your conference championship. And then finally, the Super Bowl. So you can technically say it's four rounds, but the last one is is the big kahuna. That's the one that we care about the most. So really, yes, four rounds, but three rounds of playoffs until you get to the main game. 
but the number one seed in each conference receives a bye and will automatically advance into the divisional round, which is super useful. Uh, that means they're going to get more rest than some of the other teams. Sometimes it means, you know, they're going to play with home field advantage. So there are a lot of positives to being number one. It's not just about making it to the playoffs. It's about what your road looks like to the Super Bowl. Because the wild card round, you're going to have your seventh seed. So so the last seed has to play that number two seed first. Now remember, the number two seed is the second best record in the division. Like they're not a team that barely made it. They're a team that's generally doing pretty well. Now, we do have stronger divisions than other divisions, so there's something there to be said about some seven seeds and some two seeds are not equal. They're not the same. They don't equally do as well or as poorly, but when you have a weak division, somebody still has to be at the top of it. There's nothing you can do about that. The six seed's going to play the three seed. The five seed's going to play the four seed. And a lot of times fans use this seeding to kind of decide like which games they think are going to be the most competitive. Now, once you get to the playoffs, everything is competitive. Everything matters. These aren't games for nothing. You are working towards something. But every fan looks at the schedule week to week to try to decide what games are worth watching or what games are going to actually feel like they're exciting. It's pretty interesting to look at, honestly, because if you go online and you want to look at the graphics of kind of like edge of getting into the playoffs, there are some really good teams that we would call like on the bubble that are still technically in the hunt and have chances of making it in. It just depends on them winning more games and some other teams losing. Uh, Let's take, for instance, the Houston Texans. They're seven and five. They're in the AFC. And they have a better record than a team in the NFC, which would then actually two teams in the NFC that would technically be in the playoffs right now. And that's the Vikings and the Packers. What's really interesting about that is the Vikings and the Packers are in the same division. So they might end up, you know, working working themselves out of it to begin with. But uh, it it's all about who you've played um, and that's that's the hard part about this. It's like, yes, they've won more games, but if you want to look at it this way, the AFC is a stronger conference than the NFC, technically, if you go just by wins. You also have the Broncos, which is crazy because they started the season just falling apart and really have rallied in the last several weeks. They did lose this previous week to the Texans, <laughs> but before that, they were on a couple games of a winning streak. And that Texans-Broncos game from last week could end up being a huge implication on if the Texans make it into the playoffs, because let's say the Broncos keep winning, well, the Texans will have the edge over them because they have already beat them. So if you look at strength of schedule and who you've played, um, they have already beat that team, you know, so that technically means it looks like they're a better team than the other team, even if they end up with the same record. Some divisions are just real stinkers, too. Um, Here's looking at you, NFC South. You are the problem. You are not the prototype. You are the worst, okay? Um, No, seriously. 
You have NFC teams that are doing well. Don't get me wrong. You have the Eagles that are 10 and 2, the Cowboys, which unfortunately are in their division and right behind them at 9 and 3. You have the Lions that are 9 and 3. You have the Niners that are 9 and 3. Then you have the NFC South. Your divisional leader is the Atlanta Falcons and they are 6 and 6. Trash. Just complete trash. Uh, right behind them is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five and seven, the New Orleans Saints at five and seven, and the Carolina Panthers, who are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs completely, at one and eleven. I am not saying that this needs to change. I like that we take the divisional winners um, and put them in the playoffs. I think that's how it should be. You're obviously playing your division more frequently than you're playing other teams. Uh, I hope they get smoked. That's what they deserve. <laughs> Truly. Now, once again, in any form of playoff, you know, you lose and you're out. So they go in as, you know, a divisional winner into the playoffs and have to play a team potentially that has a better record than them. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's fascinating, honestly. Uh, it should hopefully make for okay football at that point. But that's when I say, like, when you get to the playoffs and you're looking at how things get seeded, that's really going to tell you the games that are going to be the most exciting to watch. Now, every week we have upsets, okay? We had upsets last week, and it's exciting. You know, just recently you had Sunday night, the Chiefs, losing to the Green Bay Packers. What is going on with the Chiefs? Um, Taylor Swift was in attendance. Travis Kelsey was supposed to pop off. That's how this works, right? But they were in Green Bay. And I hate to say this, it physically pains me, but Green Bay isn't looking as awful as they were earlier on in the season. Uh, They have one of the youngest teams. They have been pulling things together. I... Hope they fail miserably from now until eternity. Um, But they upset the Chiefs. You also had Monday Night Football, which was awesome because the Cincinnati Bengals went into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars. And nobody expected that because they're playing with a backup quarterback. It does get fans like myself a little too excited for the hope that As a bubble team, we might be able to push back up into the playoffs. I think it is highly unlikely because as I talked about with those divisions, the Bengals are in one of the toughest divisions. They're in the AFC North. Uh, Just to put it in perspective, the Bengals are six and six. They have the worst record in the AFC North. And I just mentioned the Atlanta Falcons that are winning their division at six and six. So That's when things get a little tough. When you have a division that is so good that you're going to, you know, have to really struggle to play against just them, let alone everybody else, like that's going to make it harder for them to make it to the playoffs. All of this is to say that while it seems like maybe it could be confusing how to go the next few weeks, um, every week, Every channel is going to be showing you different graphics about who's in the hunt or on the bubble. And I just wanted to make sure that you understood while you're watching the game, like, hey, oh, I see that, you know, the Cleveland Browns are probably in the playoffs right now. Well, I don't know, because they're playing with a backup also. And 
if they can't win games, you know, they lost last week. If they continue to lose, they will potentially fall out. Or you have somebody, like I mentioned, the Texans or the Rams. If they can ramp it up, maybe they can push some of the other teams out. Um, it, it, it gives you another perspective going into game day on exactly what you need to happen. And then if you're really taking it the next step forward, you can look at the entire slate. And when you're planning out your betting, you can think about, okay, this team is in divisional play. They have already played this team in the season earlier. They lost that game, for example. That means they need to win this game because they want to split the win-loss. Or, yeah, they already beat that team, and if they beat them again, they'll definitely have the edge over them. It's just little things like that that help kind of put the whole season together where it becomes more than just what's happening on the field. It's a full system of football. So let's talk a little bit about what you're going to see in week 14. Who's playing who? What are the games that are actually exciting to watch? Potentially the absolute worst Thursday night game of the season is coming this Thursday. It is Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Something about this game screams fall asleep on your couch while it's on, wake up and not have missed a thing. (laughs) Uh, Last week, the Patriots played in a riveting game against the Chargers where they lost six to zero. Not 60, that is just the number 6 to 0. This game has been set at the lowest over-under of any game, at only 30. That means the odds makers think that these two teams combined won't score more than 30 points. It's disgusting, (laughs) truly. Um, I don't understand why it didn't get flexed. Truly, I think the only reason is because the New England Patriots are a winning franchise, and even though they are doing terribly this season, they have arguably the best coach in the NFL, or at least longstanding coach, maybe not currently, but there's no other reason that anybody should have to be forced to watch this. Yet, here we are. That is your Thursday game. And at the end of the day, it's still football. So, I mean, I'm going to put it on. But I can't promise you that I'll be playing that close of attention. You only have a couple 1 o'clock games that really stand out to me. Uh, First one is the Colts-Bengals. As I've mentioned previously, the Bengals are trying to be back in the hunt. Uh, The Colts are on a winning streak right now, even though they've been playing with the backup the majority of their season. So should actually make for a good game and one that is actually useful to watch. Uh, You do have the Jaguars coming off a loss to the Bengals playing against the Browns. Browns need to win. They need to pick it back up. Um, And then for me, I care about the Lions at Bears. Bears have already lost to the Lions once this season. The Lions are the divisional leaders. Um, The Bears are... Okay, listen, I'm not fully delusional. Maybe a little delulu, but like... The Bears' defense has pulled it together, okay? We paid a guy who came to us from the Commanders, and we have been really working hard at our defense, okay? To be a better 
team. Offensively, there are things that still need worked out, but honestly, the defense is not playing poorly. So, and it's a divisional game. Who knows? We actually almost beat the Lions last time. I would say we didn't we didn't get beat by the Lions. We lost the game. I think there's a difference. Like we lost that game. We didn't get beat. Either way, um, that's a game I'll also be paying attention to. Four o'clock brings you probably one of the best games of the week. It is the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is huge. The Chiefs came off a loss. The Bills are fighting, fighting for a chance at the playoffs. And this is silly. The Bills are six and six. Like they shouldn't feel so far out of the range of making the playoffs. But divisionally, it's just harder for them. So they really need to somehow pull off a win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, The other four o'clock games, you have Seahawks at Niners, Vikings at Raiders, Broncos at Chargers. I don't have any feelings one way or the other about most of those games. Bills at Chiefs is the one I want to watch. Finally, your Sunday night game. Ooh, it's pressed to be a good one also. It is your Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, last week, the Eagles got absolutely whomped by the San Francisco 49ers. At home, mind you. It was not pretty. It was technically the game of the week, although I got stuck watching the Browns game because I live in Ohio. And unfortunately, That's how network TV works. They're going to give you the game that they think that the people in your area want to watch the most. I did not, so I spent most of the time on my phone staring at the stats of the 49ers and Eagles game. So this is a big game. The Eagles have already beat the Cowboys once this season, but it was by a very narrow margin. The Cowboys have been lighting it up when they're at home, but generally against teams that aren't very good. They have put up a lot of points. You have been very safe if you wanted to bet the over in the majority of Cowboys games. They are division rivals. It's going to be a great game. Um, They're both one and two of their division. So that will be a fantastic Sunday night game. And then Monday night uh, is a game that's also going to stink once again. Uh, You have the Green Bay Packers at the New York Giants. And plot twist, we got a double Monday night. You have the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. Neither one of those games are very interesting to me. However, at least there are two games to choose from, so we can go back and forth between the both of them and hopefully find something exciting in one or the other. Let's get to our NFL Jeopardy of the Week. Calvin Johnson holds the record for this in a single season. I'll give you a moment to think about it. Calvin Johnson holds the record for this in a single season. What is receiving yards? In 2012, he scored 1,964 yards. He scored them. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm a girl who talks about football and I don't even know how to say what I'm saying. No, he (laughs) caught and ran for 1,964 yards. You know, he he got past the ball enough times to almost get to 2,000 yards. However, 
The next closest of anybody was in 2021 when uh, the Rams Cooper Cup was like 18 yards short of catching the record, not beating, just catching it. Now, currently, we do have somebody that is close. Tyreek Hill is at 1,481 receiving yards. He still has five games left to play. And some of those games are potentially leaving themselves open to have huge, huge receiving yards for him. He is probably going to be the first receiver in NFL history to get to that 2,000 yards, which is amazing. I mean, it really is. And if he gets there and is not truly in the conversation for MVP, then call it the college football playoffs because it's rigged. (laughs) I mean, normally MVP always ends up being a quarterback, and there are several candidates this year that people are talking about, um, some different than last year, which is exciting. But honestly, I think it's time that we start looking at the game in terms of the quarterback not being the only one making plays happen. I mean, yes, the quarterback is arguably the most important person on the field. However, you can have a good quarterback and have nobody really to throw the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Um, That's, you know, not going to get you a superstar season. It's not going to get you an MVP. So it is something that should be considered. Or or how about the fact that like defense wins games and there are some defensive players out there who are doing things that I, I truly don't see as physically possible. Uh, they're doing it somehow, but gosh, I just, they should also be in the conversation for most valuable player because they're probably not winning games without those people. You know, they're playmakers. That was your NFL Jeopardy trivia piece of the week. And that's all I have for you this week. The playoffs are soon coming. We are down in the thick of it. This is, like I said, your last week of any teams on a bye. Week 14. Let's do it. Please be sure to like, subscribe, tell me how you're feeling, ask me questions. What do you want to hear? Let's talk about it. See you next week. Bye.